episode 75 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In this week's episode, Robin and I are going to talk about things to look for when your loved one's eating patterns might be changing a little bit. Are they pocketing food? Are they having trouble swallowing? Are they losing weight? These are things that will start as the disease progresses onward. So we want to talk about what to look for, maybe how to deal with it, and when to get support from a medical professional. So stay tuned as we jump into an Is It Normal segment, what to do when your loved one's eating patterns start to change. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Welcome back. It's Robin and Melissa, and we're here today to get into maybe a little bit of is it normal questions for you and wade ever so slightly into medical issues. So with that, I'm going to preface this by saying we are not medical professionals and eat. And if you are noticing any of these issues that we bring up today, please discuss them with your medical provider. So with that, Robin, you're not a doctor, but you play one on a podcast. So jump right in. <laughs> That's right. Let's just continue with Dr. Robin. Um, good to see you. I- I'm glad to be back. And I do want to talk about this a little bit. This came up recently with a friend of mine, and it brought back some memories with my mom that, gosh, mom sure is eating a lot, but she's not really gaining weight. What's going on? I watch her eat. And so I mentioned to her, pay attention to how she's chewing and what's going on and how long it takes, because often it can take up to 20 minutes for somebody to chew something. So let me ask you really quick, Robin, was she eating a lot or did she just look like she was eating because she was chewing a lot? That that's my point. Okay. Is her, maybe her doc, we couldn't figure it out. So that was okay. where I set, sent her on the investigative mode. See, see if she's swallowing, see if she's spitting it back out. Um, see if she's like chewing the cud like a cow. Right. And <laughs> so chewing, chewing, chewing. There's something called pocketing food and think of it as, I guess it's a squirrel that when they get their nuts, they sort of put them off to their cheek and they, they hold it there. And that's what will happen sometimes when they have swallowing issues is they will chew and chew and chew, but then they kind of sit it off to the side and they never swallow. So one, they're not getting the nutrients and two, now you're looking at a choking hazard. Mm -hmm. So my mom um, loved apples. And I cannot tell you, Melissa, I know this is not very nice to talk about, but the amount of times I would find apple skins wadded up on the edge of her plate, in her bedroom, Mm. wherever, because it was too tough for her to swallow, but Mm. she enjoyed it. So she would chew and chew and chew until it was really, as you said, a cud. Mm-hmm. And then or, or it was, like it's like gum you chew it and chew it to get the flavor and then you spit it right. out 
And so um, started paying attention to that or the moving the tongue back and forth was something mm-hmm. that I noticed with my mom that she really was not able to chew or she wasn't getting those signals to her brain that we need to chew this and swallow it. It was just chewing and chewing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard of this. I've seen this so many times. I mean, it's definitely a telltale sign of decline and that you're going to have to start paying attention. Um, the aspirating silent aspiration is huge. Um, as my, I worked a lot in the healthcare facilities and with other professionals, one of the things that they've described is that you and I, if we gag or choke on something, it's going to be obvious. We're going to be you know, spitting something back up, we're going to be hacking for probably 30 minutes, even if it like a little drop of water goes down the wrong pipe. But for somebody who's older, that goes away. So it's going down the wrong pipe, and nobody knows it. And, and so they get sick. So with this chewing, 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 not only is it a choking hazard, but it may be, um, it may be that they're aspirating. It's going down the wrong pipe. They're not going to choke as in they're not going to stop breathing, but then they could be inhaling it into their lungs and causing pneumonia, um, all sorts of health issues from that. And that's very, very common as a, the next step in the disease process. Right. So what do you do? I think as you start noticing this, it is a conversation with your primary care doctor, it might be if a dietitian, if they're in a facility and there's a dietitian on staff to talk to them about changing the diet to maybe a mechanical diet to something that they don't and describe have to what a mechanical diet is. So it's um, where the food is all soft. It can be blended up into a pudding like texture would probably be the best description. A lot of times they will thicken the water or any beverages just so that they don't go down the wrong pipes. And there's, so now they're getting their nutrition, but they're not having to chew and work for that. And um, it seems to, to work now. It's not very appetizing to look at. And what my friend was saying is at this point, her mom just eats it. And she said, she has not said it tastes bad. It looks bad or anything. Now she, her mother is having somebody feed her at this point because her hands are no longer capable of doing that. But um, I think a lot of families stop because they look at that. And I remember the day that my mother died, they brought her eggs and sausage in and it was all pureed. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, oh my goodness. But it, it's the way that, that, and for me, I would have said, don't feed her that she'll never eat that. Had she been alert and ready to eat, she probably would have eaten it and eaten it with no problem because it was mechanical. Mm-hmm. So I think and, a lot of families. it's the same food. Right. And same flavoring. Same, it's just a different consistency. So it looks like little mounds of food instead of like an egg shaped like an egg and toast shaped like toast. I mean, all of it is like almost like little pureed mounds of, of food, which don't look appetizing maybe the textures aren't there but the taste is still there right and I think that's what families see and they they say oh no 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 and they stop it and so I would caution you to as Melissa said it's just what they normally eat but in a different form 
So even though it may not look appealing, it is nutrition for them. And it's far better than having um, a feeding tube or something of that nature to get the nutrition in. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, um, worked with clients and families where they've decided that they, that it's not to the point where they want to do these interventions. And so they just accept the risk of the aspiration. Um, Again, if it's depending on how bad it is, if somebody is doing pretty much fine and every year or so they come down with a, a pneumonia, then they may not say, oh, we only want thickened liquids in a pureed diet. They may say, we'll just deal with the aspiration pneumonia until it gets to a point where it really deters uh, quality and function of life. But, you know, the weighing back and forth, will the diet diminish quality of life or will the risk of getting very sick diminish the quality of life? So some families, they do, you know, say they do weigh that and they choose to continue the regular diets in the individual. If the individual is alert and oriented and competent enough to say, no, I'm not doing that, then that's their free will to make that choice too. Well, and that goes back to some of um, the thoughts of who your loved one was, Mm -hmm. what they enjoyed. My mom could care less about food. She Mm -hmm. would say, I eat to live. You know, I, on the other hand, love food, enjoy food, love the whole um, idea of sitting down and eating and the, you know, talking with people and things like that. So maybe my family would choose not to do the mechanical because that's something I wouldn't enjoy for my mom. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so we switched it. So it is a little bit more of thinking about what your loved one wanted, how they felt. Um, and talking to your healthcare provider right along the way. Absolutely. And I would I would not do any of it unless you talk to the doctor or the dietitian about moving forward with it. And or speech therapy. That's another good expert to to pull in when you're dealing with this. Absolutely. And I think too, that you can decide there there's companies now that will provide pureed food, just as, just like the companies that provide frozen meals or things like that. You can also get those now off the internet. You can look those up and have those delivered. So it's not extra work for you if you're at home to puree all the food. You can actually purchase that and move forward. We had a family we worked with that the dad had um, dentures Mm -hmm. and he had mouth issues, teeth issues, and he had a problem with eating solid food. So that was something that we recommended to him. It didn't have anything to do with swallowing issues or anything of that nature for him. It was merely he couldn't chew things that were hard. Mm-hmm. So he switched to that diet and it made a, a world of difference in his quality of life. You know, um, for small little signs to look for that, uh, I know Robin and I had been to a conference once where we learned about this and I wasn't aware of it, but small signs to look for, especially in individuals with dementia that can't really be aware or communicate very well is when they're eating if they're not, not necessarily coughing, because we think that's a sign of aspirating or choking. But again, if their eyes are watering and their nose is running while they're eating, those are signs that they could be aspirating. Again, I didn't know this, but I was fascinated by it. And um, 
so that's something to be mindful of. If you start noticing that, talk to a professional about what you're seeing and maybe do you need a swallow study to evaluate how well they are eating and swallowing their foods. These are progressions in the disease. This isn't, oh, it may happen to your loved one if you've been diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's. It is a progression of the disease. Loss of taste and loss of smell also can go along with dementia. I know my mom lived a good 10 years without the taste and smell. So that also tends to curb their appetite because who wants to eat when you're eating, you can't taste it or enjoy it. So those are other signs to look for as well. And on the flip side of this issue that often happens at the same time as part of the, per, the I keep saying progression, like things are getting better, but the digression, I guess, of the disease, um, the progression into decline of the disease is the incontinence issues. So on the flip side, you know, you're having someone who their brain is not communicating with their ability to swallow and their ability to eat. And that also can happen with their ability to know if they're, if they need to go to the bathroom or not, or if they can control going to the bathroom and, and their digestion. So if they're not digesting it well on the intake, it's probably not digesting well as it works its way through the system. So these are all things of a, signs of a system that is slowly shutting down and that it needs to be managed more by the caregivers and the care support team, the doctors and professionals, because um, it's the, the natural body is not operating the way it should. So for example, I have um, clients that bowel regularity and incontinence is a total chore for them to manage that, you know, they have to, how well are they eating? And if they're not eating and if they get backed up and then how are they, if they're going to get backed up, then do they need to be giving medications so that they get more regular? And then do they end up swinging the pendulum to the other end and having to deal with blowout issues, just like a toddler? It's, it all goes hand in hand. And I know the talking about eating issues is one thing talking about bowel and urinary incontinence is another. So it can be very embarrassing to deal with it and have to talk about it, but those do happen, happen frequently. So make sure to not be embarrassed by it um, so much so that you're not talking to your professional support around how to manage it better. Right. And check out my blog because I do talk about incontinence issues and being prepared for that in my new blog. Good deal. Yeah, we cover we cover everything head to toe, emotions to logistics. So we are here for you on this journey. And I don't know, Robin, does that about wrap us up today? Any other thoughts to leave our our audience with? No, I think other than just saying it's, again, being aware and advocating for your loved one. All right. We'll see you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. 
Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.